to me. Live from the Twin Cities, we are the Daves you know, this is the Daves I know. You want me to be that type of dude and I want to be who you like me to but we both know I can't do nothing at all. Welcome back to another week of the Dave's I Know podcast. A interesting week, to say the very, very least. We have uh, MJ. Uh, it's it's a short crew today. No, Dan. Dan decided to uh, take the day off or whatever. Some fucking reason. Who the hell knows? Um, we do have MJ. MJ, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Very good. You have a good I'm weekend? I'm drinking a, a Hop Clouds beer right now, and uh, it is very tasty. Excellent, excellent. We are we are uh, going to be brewing the Hop Clouds Dave's I Know beer um, very very soon. It's going to be called the Heath Out Stout. Breaking the news uh, here on the podcast for that. We're not going to tell you what the beer is going to be like, other than it's going to be a stout, obviously. But the conversations that we've had with Christian have been very interesting and very good, and I think everybody, uh, if you are a member of the Patreon, are going to really really enjoy the Heath out stout. So uh, if you're not a member of the Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash the days I know to get involved with that. If you sign up now, um, we can guarantee you that you can get uh, a little bit of access or access to that Heath out stout beer. So um, how was your weekend MJ? You know, once again, I did not get as much done on a particular bicycle as I was hoping to, but despite that, it, it was, it was pretty good. Good. Uh, Ann and I went down to Decora. Uh, we left our son up here with his grandparents, Anna's folks. Uh, they spent, spent the weekend up at our house and they're actually still here. And um, we, so yeah, we went down to Decora for a couple days, hung out with uh, Dark Cloud, Ben Cross Gagne. Um, yeah. Which her, you know, as until very recently was running the travel for the Dark Clouds and, and the Wonderwall, which is really great to see him and his wife. And just got to, you know, hang out and um, not worry about waking up when a kid wakes up and sleep in and just kind of fuck around. And uh, hey, sleep. Yeah, slept, slept and, and drank some really good beer, which is great. Uh, Decora has turned into a, a pretty decent uh, beer town. So highly suggest, highly recommend Decora. It's only two and a half hours. Basically, it's a straight, basically straight down 52. Um, you run right into, uh, into Decora if you want to stop over on a way back uh we stopped in rochester at forager brewery yeah uh, forager brewing which is really really good as well um and had lunch but it's in basically rochester is like literally halfway between decora and and the, and the twin in the cities so you know it's, everybody always goes up to duluth for vacations i highly suggest going down to decora uh they have a it's a very nice very chill city pretty liberal all things considered um i mean it is iowa so there is that but it's not you know it's it's in that valley. So there's lots of like bluffs and hills and things like that. It's not like the rest of, you know, Western Iowa, which is all fucking flatter than shit. So yeah. So that's, that's what we did. We had a hey, fun time. If, and if cornfields are your thing, 
the, that's fine. You can do your corn mazes and do your cornfields. That's great. There are, yeah, not as many as you think, obviously. Decor, so Decor is in that, like in that like sort of river valley area there. Yeah. So it's very, it is very hilly. And like there's, um, we saw, uh, we went to an ice cave and saw some springs and it was a good time. But, uh, but yeah, you definitely, if you want corn and you want uh, flat lands, you can easily find them as well. So, well, th- this sounds way more exciting than my weekend of playing chess in lieu of Minnesota United not having a game. Yeah, and, and we're going to get to that and get, get to that in a hot second here. So I promised some folks that we would not talk about the game on Tuesday. Well, uh, you said five minutes. But I I no, I, I promised people after that match was over that we would not talk about that. <laughs> game. Well, that's right. I forgot about that. However, we didn't have another game to talk about. So I, I said we, we would limit it to five minutes. I'm going to start the clock. As soon as I'm done speaking uh, this sentence. All right, we played Nashville SC on Tuesday. The game ended 0-0. Uh, we started off with a 4-2-3-1. Finley and Schoenfeld got starts uh, over Kamara and Robin Lude. Uh, Finley coming back for the first time in since in almost, over a month. Um, there was a yellow card to Nashville uh, to Randall Lee in the uh, or Leo in the 44th minute. Uh, in the second half, Minnesota made one substitution, Kai Kamara, uh, for Aaron Schoenfeld. Uh, Abu Dunladi, former loon, came on for Nashville in the 70th more, 74th minute. Um, and yeah, that's it. That's all that happened. Game ended 0-0. We did that. I did that in like 90 seconds. So that was pretty awesome. MJ, did you have anything you want to add in these last three and a half minutes that we have to talk about this game? Alex um, Mayol, or whatever his name is, for Nashville, he had a lot of chances. Yes. And Dane St. Clair shut him down. So on the attacking end, I thought Nashville looked best when, when, yeah, Alex um, Mayo was attacking and got inside the six-yard box. Dane Sinclair played great. And in the very first half, very shortly after kickoff, it had to be within five minutes, there was this great interplay between Debassi, Boxall, and someone else on the left, maybe a Jacory Hayes, maybe a, a Molino. And they were running this shifting triangle of possession and quick passes and cuts. And we never saw that again. There you go. Uh, Joe Willis uh, was the goalkeeper for Nashville. He played very, very well. He had a couple of pretty great saves. Got Minnesota out of the uh, out of the net. Um, so, yeah, that is literally the extent of what we want. I want to talk about with Nashville. Other than um, – so that's the end of Nashville. We, let's talk a little bit about Dane St. Clair generally because – He's now had a 290 straight clean sheet minutes, Woo-hoo! which is the longest stretch in Minnesota United MLS history. I, I didn't go back and look at um, the Matt Van Oakle, um, the Warren. I didn't go back and look at those guys, but uh, this is the longest the, the the longest stretch of clean sheet minutes uh, in MLS history for for Minnesota United. So, um, so yeah, I guess you know let's let's talk a little bit about Dane St. Clair. You know. I, I've been very, very impressed by him. Um, he certainly has had some nail-biting kind of moments, but I think he has ultimately been a, a very, very much a calming presence for for Minnesota, especially with you know all the shifting on the back line. You know, Menier has been out with a yellow card. Greg Goose, or uh, sorry, um, Gasper out with a yellow card. Lots of shifting on the back line. Aha's in. You know, he hasn't had a, um, and I'm not sure if he's actually played 
with the same back four, four. <laughs> in, in, in like four games, right? So he's it's it's clearly it's not like uh, last Jasper year was, was out, so Debassi shifted left. And... Yeah, it's not like it's not like with Minone last year where he basically had the same back four for most of the year, right? And he it's was Eichel Parr running the back line. Yeah, and he had Eichel Parr running the back line. So it, it's been it's it's been very impressive, which you know leads me to believe that you know I don't think Dane Sinclair is probably the number one. Uh, for Canada right now, but it would not surprise me at all if he gets a call in to the uh, Canadian national team camp whenever they next uh, get together for for matches. Yeah, I don't know how Team Canada's depth chart looks at goalkeeper, but the way David Clare's playing at the level that he's playing, he's got to get a call up. He's got to be top three. And one of the things that really, really impresses me is his positioning and how calm he is people want to talk about how young and fast he is and his quick reflexes and that's great but when you can position yourself the way he is where you're not having to track back or be out of position then your quickness looks extra quick i mean you're a goalkeeper you know you know what i'm talking about Mm -hmm. so yeah so um well i mean so canada has milan borjan who's who plays for red star belgrade um perennial um you know, Champions League, Europa League contender. Maxime Cropot is also Canadian for uh, Vancouver Whitecaps. And then I'm um, just looking at a, a depth chart from early, early 2020. Um, and they had uh, Marco Carducci, who plays for Calvary FC, which plays in the Canadian Premier League. It doesn't actually list Dane Sinclair as one of the, uh, as one of the potential, um, you know, on the cusp type players. I got to think that he has definitely played himself into that Canadian national team conversation, you know, it's probably Borjan or Crapo uh, starting, but you know if Dane Sinclair continues to play like he has been playing, um, he definitely does definitely deserves a slot at it. So or shot at it. So all right. Yeah, and if not, World Cup qualifying, Concacaf Nations League or Gold Cup qualifying, he's going to get a shot in there somewhere. Yeah, you think in the, in sometime in the next year he's going to play some. Uh, he's going to get some caps with the Canadian national team. So all right, we basically did all that in less than. Less than well, six minutes or so. Um, that included non at Nashville talk. We were supposed to play a game uh yesterday, uh Sunday against FC Dallas down in down in Dallas, but uh it was canceled because of motherfucking COVID. So we don't know who got COVID. Um, apparently, according to the reports, it was two players on Minnesota United team tested positive for it. They that's pretty much all the the information that we've gotten. We did see, I did see a tweet earlier today that, you know, basically, because everybody's kind of like, well, is the next game going to get canceled? The game against Chicago on Wednesday. I did see a tweet earlier this week, or earlier tonight, that was basically said next game and then was had the, the details for the match against uh, Chicago Fire uh, on Wednesday. So theoretically, that game is still happening. Um, they've, but we have not heard anything about Minnesota United opening up their facilities again and practicing. So, you know, I, I'm assuming that they're going to practice tomorrow. Then they'll get at least one day of practice before Chicago comes to town, but who the hell knows? So anything you want to add on, on this MJ? Well, there's an MJ Anon theory out there that what if this FC Dallas game miss was all a conspiracy by the players? That's right. Maybe the players thought, Hey, we tried getting red cards, but that only gets us one rest. One person, one player gets arrested by taking a red card. We can't really afford to have 11 right. people get red cards. So now maybe the players think 
we could fake injuries and rotate the squad ourselves. But then you realize Heath puts recovering injured players in the 18 all the time. We, we have no control over Heath. What's he going to do? Who's he going to we'll, start? And we'll who's play who's he going to sub? Who's Heath going to run into the fake turf at practice? We don't know. So how can we all get a game off from the tyranny that is Adrian Heath? Okay, someone has to get COVID. And to, to really sell this, we need two people to get COVID. And I don't know how we work George Soros in here, but I'm sure the MJ Anon keyboard warriors will have their say about this. Ah, uh, fair point. Fair point. Um, all right, so let's talk about. So we obviously have. Uh, that's that leads us to our sort of their big question. This is probably going to be a shorter podcast today, guys, because obviously we don't have a shit ton to talk about. Um, but we keep coming back to it. Uh, substitution gate. Um, Minnesota United. Uh, Adrian Heath used one substitution uh, in that Nashville match. Um, that was Kai Kamara coming on for Aaron Schoenfeld in like the 65th minute. That was less than 72 hours after they had a match where they only had two subs. Uh, and with a match that was theoretically scheduled for the following Sunday, right? So they didn't know that they were going to have COVID and, and not have a match five days after this, this or match. Or did match. they? Or did they? If you want to get your tinfoil hats out, guys, then did they? Um, Ethan Finley played a full 90 after not playing a match for over a month. His last uh, his last playing time was on the September 2nd in a 3 nothing loss to uh, Houston. It's... And, and again, Adrian Heath came out with a quote, uh, basically uh, chastising fans for their fascination with substitutes, um, which I don't know how much more we can belabor the point here. And that, again, I think, I think my theory is probably right, is that Adrian Heath has one game plan. And if he gets punched in the face, he doesn't have a fucking, he doesn't have another game plan. Like his game plan is what he comes out with Either it works and they do well, or it doesn't work. We've seen nothing from him or the team that can indicate to me that he has the ability to change course mid-game or mid-stream, right? He doesn't have the ability to take a look at what's happening around him and make a substitution to change the game or he doesn't believe that we have the substitutions, the substitutes to impact a game. No, that that theory, that theory. I mean, that was that's kind of a, a working theory that's been out there for a while. That theory it goes to pot really quickly when Robin Lude, the guy that Adrian Heath trusts the most apparently on this roster, is sitting on the bench the entire time and doesn't get a run out. Right? It's one thing if like Raheem Edwards sits on the bench and doesn't get a chance to play to ch- try and change up the game, but when Robin Lude, the guy that Adrian Heath fucking loves, um, and we'll do you know, move, you know, move worlds for Robin Lude and play him, you know, left, right, wherever the fuck he wants to play him. The fact that that guy doesn't even get off the bench tells tells me that Adrian Heath has one game plan and that's it. And he has no he has no ability whatsoever to alter the game. Um, and he's and he has clearly shown that multiple times. And maybe we just were trying to like not see that. But ultimately, I think that is he's proving the point for us. I like that idea. I also think that the times that we see him do a fruit basket upset of, you know, subbing three or four players in in the second half, oftentimes that's either too late or when it is like two in the 60 something minute and two in the 70th minute, 
those are rare, right? You you yeah. you you wonder if when those happen, what he sees when that happens, and if it just confirms his bias of oh yeah, we 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 messed too much up. We we were better before, and and so when it comes this time again, I'm not going to sub this many people off because we ruined the flow of our attack and the chemistry that we built up. That's kind of his excuse. If something that he sees that he doesn't like about his original plan, to your point, happens because he makes these subs. Oh, yeah, the, these other guys, they play differently. They're not doing what I the, the plan that I want. And so the whole point of making subs is to change things up. Yeah. I would love it to would be it. great to see Lude and Edwards come in for a tired and injury prone, let's say Kevin Molino. You know, a Molino or and, and a Finley, right? Yeah. Like like in the 50 something or 60th minute, get some, get Edwards and, and Lude out there and see what Reynoso can combine and Kamara can do with those two guys. Yeah. I just don't, I don't understand. I don't know if it, he, if it is that he's deferring to his veterans, right. And he, he doesn't think that he can take his veterans off. Um, Cause it seems like when he makes the substitutions, it's basically, like it's a planned substitution, right? He tells Aaron Schoenfeld, you're going to go 60 to 70 minutes and, you know, give me what you can for 60, 70 minutes. And then Kai Kamara is going to come on for that last 20, <clears throat> 25 minutes. You think that's, it's that premeditated. I think it, I, it has to be, it has to be, it can't be any, and even with in just looking at the other substitutions um, recently, it has to be like, you're going to, I'm going to get, you know, you're going to give me this and I'm going to take you off at this point because it clearly like no one, so no one is ever shocked, like on the pitch. No one is ever shocked that they're coming off, right? No one's ever like, oh shit, like I'm not, I'm, you know, like so it's, it's, it's. I think it's clearly even players who like should be coming off because they're playing like shit, or because they're tired as fuck. Like the only time it, a, a player like that like looks shocked that they're coming off is because Kevin Molino is laying on the ground because he literally cannot run anymore and needs to like fake an injury or go down and like just stay down to force Adrian Heath to put someone else on for him. None of the players that that we see come on or come off of the pitch are like look like they're shocked, right? A great example of somebody is like so. I'm sure you watched the mo- the, the recent Liverpool game against Aston Villa at halftime. Joe Gomez came off the pitch because Joe Gomez was getting fucking lit up like um like you know firecrackers, right? He was just all over the like all the taste. And Joe Gomez came off, and you know when he was they they panned to him, he looked pissed because he's obviously he was shitting the bed, not doing his job. Um, Liverpool brought in Takumi uh, Menino and shifted Fabino back to the, the back line. And you could tell, like, he's like, okay, that's, I don't think Adrian Heath makes a move like that. Adrian Heath has, has his plan. And if it's not going exactly like it's meant to go, he doesn't have anything else. He has, he has no, that doesn't mean that he's not, because he has had good plans, right? He's had, he's clearly like orchestrated some, um, yeah. In, in MLS's back tournament in the in the, the knockout rounds, he did a really good job. Obviously, LAFC last year, uh, where Mason Toy hit those two bangers. Um, he clearly like can come up with a plan, but if he throws those punches and the other team just absorbs those punches, he has nothing else left, right? He's like he's a you know he's a uppercut or nothing, right? He's either going to knock you out or it's the other team can run roughshod over Minnesota United. And Minnesota had no business dropping points in Nashville uh, on Tuesday. That was a team that clearly did not, like, they had some, op- they had good opportunities. They clearly did not care about scoring. 
Like Nashville's entire ethos is about keeping the other team to zero goals, right? They have no, they're not going forward whatsoever. SC Cincinnati um, last weekend clearly doesn't care about scoring goals. They're just trying to keep it zero, zero. They maybe poach one, you know, on the counter or a set piece or whatever. Nashville's the same way, right? They're not, they don't care about scoring goals. They're not trying to score goals, you know, in spite of the fact that being the entire reason for playing soccer, playing football, um, they don't care. They want, they just want to keep the, the, they don't want to have Minnesota-esque levels of terrible defense in 2017, 2018, Minnesota-esque levels of terrible defense. Which they succeeded at. Which this, both of them did actually. And the fact that Minnesota had, was doing nothing to try and exploit that, you know, we're currently in the playoffs. Minnesota is, it'd be really hard for them to miss the playoffs, but I could easily see a situation where they don't, they don't make the playoffs and, and you're going to really rue dropping two points in Nashville uh, uh, or earlier this week. So, or last week. Now, just to play Heath's devil advocate here uh, or your devil's advocate, they were getting scoring chances. Boxel had, had that great chance late in the game. Ethan Finley had chances. Kai Kamara had chances. Reynoso sent that kickball uh, home run o- o- over the over the goal. We, they were we they were, were open. They were chances, like in the fact that yes, they they put the ball near the net. So, like Joe Willis played a really good game. Um, Ethan Ethan Finley had a couple of good opportunities as well, but those were not like tap in type of of chances that you expect to create, and that Heath theoretically is expecting for his wide players to create for an Aaron Schoenfeld or a Kai Kamara. Like those are the, I know, I know you don't want to hear me talk about this game anymore, but there was that one point where Heath does the double pivot. He, he curves inside then curves back outside and then curves back inside to take the shot himself. And he had a Kai Kamara streaking down his right side. That was wide open. You know, he picks his head up. Said Heath. What? Said Heath. You mean Finley or Reynoso? Fin- Finley. Sorry. Okay. Fin- Finley was had that ball in the 70th whatever minute where he was – he kind of is dribbling left and right and back left again, back inside. And if he picks his head up, I think he already decided he was going to shoot. And if he picks his head up and lays that pass off to Kai Kamara, I think Kai Kamara scores that goal. And – you know, if hopefully buts, they go to the video room and they look at this shit. Ifs and buts. Well, we can't score. We have we can't score right now. Like that's yes, yeah. I understand what you're saying. Like maybe they're doing all the things that you're supposed to be doing, but they still are not putting the ball in the back of the net. And um, you're, you know, the striker that you 36 year old striker that you brought in and sent off the 21 year old. You know, he's not any better than Mason Toy right now because he's not getting the service, and Mason Toy was not getting the service. So I don't know. It's just, it's a whole, it's a whole thing, man. It's a whole. All right. Well, let's, let's not talk about any of this bullshit anymore. Let's talk about some other United news. Yeah. Uh, so Caden Clark, um, <laughs> I believe we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Uh, our, so Red, uh, New York Red Bulls uh, had a, has a player on their uh, Red Bull two roster. Caden Clark uh, was a kid from Minnesota was playing Minnesota Thunder Academy played for the Minnesota Thunder Academy uh, went to a, I think it's a Barcelona camp tryout um, was basically discovered by the Red Bulls. Red Bulls uh, brought him over to New York. Uh, he was playing for the Red Bulls two team doing really, really well for them. And they wanted to bring him up to the first team, uh, New York Red Bulls. The problem is, is because of MLS's arcane fucking weird 
Discovery rules, Minnesota United, in spite of not he, this kid never playing for the Minnesota United Academy, uh, had discovery rights on this kid. And so um, there was a, a story that came up. It was in the it was early in the Twitters uh, or in the Twitters a couple weeks ago. People were ripping Minnesota United uh, and I f- kind of rightfully so for, you know, not letting this kid go. And the problem, I think, that a lot of people didn't necessarily realize when they were ripping Minnesota United. There's, trust me, guys, there's plenty of to rip, rip Minnesota United's front office for. Um, this is not a particular thing that you can, should necessarily rip Minnesota United's front office for. There should be, this should be an MLS-wide uh, thing. Number one, they should get rid of this this rule. Um, number two, if they have this rule, there should be a very standard uh, arrangement um, for how much it costs to buy a kid's rights or whatever from uh, another discovery area. This rule was put into place, I think, with good intentions. I mean, clearly there's obviously a lot more kids in the New York and LA areas and Florida um, than there are in Minnesota and, you know, Utah and some of the smaller areas, Colorado. Um, so I think this er- this rule is put in for good intentions. It's It's been, it's now being sort of, you know, it's not really serving its purpose anymore. Anyways, long story short, Caden Clark was sold, his discovery rights were sold to New York Red Bulls for $75,000 in GAM. Kid immediately gets a start for the Red Bulls and scores a goal uh, this over the of course of this past weekend. So good for him. Um, I'm glad Minnesota figured it out. I'm glad Minnesota the Red Bulls figured it out. People are gonna bitch and complain that Minnesota did not did nothing to earn that $75,000 in GAM. And my one response to all of you who are gonna come at me for that is that it's fucking Garber Garber Bucks, man. No one does anything for Garber Bucks. It's it's made up money. It's funny money. So fuck you. Uh-huh. Anyways, do you have any thoughts on Caden Clark or any discovery rule bullshit, MJ? I want to know where all these people that are complaining about discovery rights were when Minnesota United had to trade goalkeeper Jeff Antonella to Portland for Miguel Ibarra's discovery rights. Miguel Ibarra, who played for NASL Minnesota United and had roots in Minnesota and history with our club the whole time. But yet, because Portland has discovery rights on Miguel Ibarra's MLS career, we had to do something to get him back to Minnesota. So what goes a, around comes around. Yeah, Taylor Twelman was the one, one of the first people who was sort of like calling bullshit on this uh, and calling out Minnesota for it. And there were several people like who basically went back at Taylor Twelman and was like, "Well, what? How does like how is Miguel Ibarra? How's holding Miguel Ibarra ransom um, any more uh, any different?" And Taylor if you Tolman have Tolman. problems with this, like you said, blame Garber, blame MLS. Yeah, Taylor Tolman. Don't come at the Loon's front office for playing by the rules. Yeah, Taylor Tolman kind of shut the fuck up after that real quick. So, uh, anyways, I'm glad it's done. Glad we're over it. And then uh, the, sort of the other little bits of the Minnesota United news. Um, Jan Gregus got into the game late uh, for Slovakia. Just in time. Just in time. Um, who – I forget who Slovakia was playing. It was a Euro – um, well, you know, I, I forget too, damn it. Yeah. Um, anyways, so Jan Gregus gets into the game late um, for Slovakia. They are playing in a Euro qualifier. Um, it was to basically as a semi. So the Euro qualifying is weird uh, this year. It was Ireland. Ireland. They were playing Ireland. And um, basically they had to play. They're playing. There's like four pods of. You know, there's two semifinals and a final. 
and four, so four different teams will make the Euro 2021 tournament. Um, these are all like either second or third place teams from the different uh, Euro qualifying groups. Anyway, Slovakia is playing Ireland, 0-0. Zero, zero. Uh, Jan Gregus comes on. They go to penalties. Jan Gregus hits a cheeky as fuck Panenka um, to beat the Irish goalkeeper. Irish goalkeeper should have stopped it. It was uh, it was an interesting. Uh, MJ, what do you have to say about the about the the, the penalty? The the goalkeeper for Ireland, he was going down to his knees, but he had not committed left or right yet. Yeah, it's like his and knees. So by, the, by the time that he sees that Gregush is going for a panenka, he's able to spring back up on his knees and jump straight up. He hadn't done the dive left dive right, so instead of looking it looking like this genius. Andre Pirlo, really clean Panenka, or pen, let's say a Panenka Panenka. Like, yeah. The goalkeeper almost gets his mitt on it. He does. Almost saved it. Um, Ireland missed their next penalty, and uh, Grey Goose's uh, penalty was the uh, was the winner for uh, game for winning. So they go, um, they're playing, so they're playing in Nations League right now. They will be playing against Northern Ireland in the November FIFA window uh, for a spot in Euro 2021. So, uh, that pretty much guarantees that young Grey Goose will get the call up for for this match. He uh, he did not start the game, which was a little frustrating for Minnesota United fans. Obviously, uh, he came on late. That this game was on Thursday. Hopefully, the you know the idea there is that um, he was just coming on because he was jet lag. He started the game yesterday uh, against Slovakia, or sorry, against uh, Scotland. He started in the midfield um, in a four through three. Uh, for Slovakia in a one nothing loss to uh, to Scotland. So, uh, so yeah, I assume Jan Gregus is going to be gone in November, which would be right um, right before the playoffs kick off for Minnesota. So, and for those that suck at world history and world geography and are wondering, didn't Slovakia just play Ireland? Let me just say that Northern Ireland and Republic of Ireland are two different places, and you should do some research on that. That's true. They are very much so. Um, yes, Northern Ireland in November. All right, some MLSsoccer.com news brought to you by United Health Group. If you want to get fucked over by Health Group, United Health Group is the way to get fucked over. All right, um, so this came out today. Uh, a couple things came out today, actually, weirdly enough, uh, in MLS news. Uh, RSL has not been having the greatest uh, the greatest year in terms of publicity and PR. Um they're yeah so in addition to uh well this is about literally about a year ago is when Petkey got fired for uh his homophobic slur right so this is all like in the span of a, a literally a calendar year um most recently sam johnson who is a designated player for rsl he's a forward uh he's being investigated for allegedly hosting house parties house parties multiple house parties this is in the age of covid uh he held a house party apparently ahead of the uh, RSL matches uh, against LAFC on the 4th of October, as well as before the match against Seattle in Seattle on the 7th. So he held a house party in Utah on 10-6 uh, before have it, hopping on a plane uh, to go to Seattle on the 7th. Uh, he played in both those games. Uh, he's apparently, uh, he RSL apparently learned of these parties on the 8th, so a few days ago. Um, Sam Johnson has tested negative for COVID throughout, so he's not. No harm, no foul. He tested negative, David. Um, the, 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 apparently they RSL found out about all these parties because, uh, there was an incident 
in which shots were fired during a party with more than 100 guests in attendance. And so I'm just trying to figure out who are the 100 people. Number one, who are the 100 people you would invite to a party? Number two, who are the 100 people who live in Utah that you would invite to a party? Yeah, well, as I've talked to you about before, David, the weird blue laws and alcohol laws in Utah are such that sometimes house parties are the only place you can go to drink. We don't know how many desperate non-Mormons are out there that, that really want to get in on this. I sincerely doubt there are 100 people that I would like to hang out with in Utah. Total. I, I don't even know if there are 100 people that I would want to hang out in Minnesota. And more, more importantly, I'm sure there are 100 people that don't want to be anywhere close near to me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, in the in the in the midst of a uh, midst of a pandemic, um, apparently, Sam Johnson's contract uh, he ends this year. He has there's a a, a team option for 2021. My guess is that is not going to get picked up for 2021. So, um, if you are looking for a uh, DP forward, Sam Johnson um, will probably be available. It also, yep. sorry, go ahead. Maybe maybe Man City wants someone to bring on to keep Kyle Walker accountable. There you go. There you go. Uh, all right. Uh, other little in, in what the fuckery uh, <laughs> news, Sam, uh, FC Dallas. So that, so Sam Sisk was one, one of the ones who reported the Arsenal news uh, came out today. The FC Dallas wanted Reggie Cannon to apologize for his comments after he, the, the players. So if you don't remember um, when, MLS came back after the MLS is back tournament. So MLS, MLS is back, back again, uh, version 2.0 with uh, one in Denver, or sorry, in uh, in Dallas with the Dallas National playing. Um, MLS played the national anthem. A bunch of players kneeled, and they got booed, and literally people were throwing uh, beer bottles at uh, the field. Uh, Reggie Cannon went off and and basically just you know um, said his piece and said it very eloquently and. You know, call people uh, Neanderthals and 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 racists and um, for you know booing players, you know doing their their you know liberty, their freedom to to kneel if they wanted to during the national anthem. Apparently, FC Dallas wanted Reggie Cannon to apologize for calling out the fans for being shitty, uh, which basically for me is just a big. I mean, I think we all know if you are a fan of sports uh, in the United States and and pretty much around the world you know that most of the uh, people who own these teams are chuds who um, are really, they're happy to put out a Instagram post saying black lives matter. When it comes to doing the actual like real work, they are less, let's say less than stellar. So um, doesn't surprise me a ton. Uh, it is the fact that they actually, because there was, there's rumblings about, because Reggie Cannon was very, very quickly uh, sold to Botavista in uh, Portugal um it was a, a move that he'd been angling for a move to europe for for a, a while so it wasn't necessarily out of the blue to play randomly but it happened very very quickly after all the shit went down in uh july um so it made you think a little bit and everybody's like oh no he's been angling for that move um now it comes to pass that maybe actually that move happened a little quicker than than it was originally planned because uh some of the um, shenanigans on the fc dallas side on the their their front office side so well, good for Reggie Cannon for not apologizing. Yes, 100%. Because everybody who wants to talk about free speech and not censoring free speech 
the players have it, the owners have it, the fans have it. And when there's disagreement, don't expect just some player to kowtow to some fans keyboard worrying about how they're going to not support the team or not buy season picks next year, blah, blah, blah. You know, don't expect a player, specifically someone who's a person of color, who flat out explained to MLS that like MLS is back, MLS is back, they never played the anthem. We didn't want to have the anthem played. Yeah. You know, he explained that this is a divisive issue. We don't want it to be a divisive issue. We want to have a moment of silence for the people that were hurt from police violence. This shouldn't be a huge issue, but yeah, they made it into a big issue. It did. It did. Unfortunately. Uh, all right. And then the final little bit of uh, other United news, uh, Ben Olsen finally got shit canned by uh, DC um, this has been a long time coming, uh, MJ. I think as long as we've been fans of soccer in Minnesota, Ben Olsen has been the DC United manager, and yes. eternally on eternally in the uh, uh, Nord Continental Tire Fire manager uh, power <laughs> rankings. In, Ten uh, years, yes, uh, for for pretty much the entire time he's been managing DC. Sorry, eleven years he's been yeah. the head uh, manager of DC United, and sounds- they have one hardware. Yes, he. Yes, they they were really good for for a long time. People people who are newer MLS MLS fans will not realize that DC United actually was a uh, a juggernaut franchise in MLS. Uh, again, maybe when there was like eight teams in the league, but still, they Bill Hamid, you know, really cut his teeth goalkeeping, right? Just getting on the map for the U.S. Men's National Team. You know, just I I can't remember how many games I watched where I saw Bill Hamid keep them in a game. Sure. Yeah, in the heyday of DC United. Yeah. Um. So, uh, so yeah, he's been finally, uh, finally fired as as DC United manager. Um, he's gonna stay in the in. Apparently, it sounds like he's going to stay in the uh, organization in some sort of other capacity. Oh, um, he's gonna Manny Lagos today. Yeah, that. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, you know, shit can your way up up the up the ladder. Um, I just I pointed out here I, I brought it up because there's three three names that are on the short list uh, per the Athletic for managers that I thought were very interesting. Uh, David Wagner, um, former Schalke FC head coach, you literally like caused Schalke to shit the bed. Um, also Huddersfield Town former manager Jason Kreis, uh, who's a fa- uh, we're big fans of here on this uh, on this podcast. <laughs> I would fucking love Jason Kreis to to manage a team. Uh, and then Jill Ellis is actually. Uh, uh, named on sort of a, a short list per the athletic. Now we don't know if any of these people have been, have been actually approached about the, the job. If they, any of them actually would, would consider the job. I mean, I would assume Jason Christ would consider it. I would assume Jill Ellis would consider it. Uh, I'm not sure if David Wagner is, is, you know, waiting on another European job or if he would consider a move to MLS, um, you know, considering he hasn't spent a ton of time in America, even though he is a uh, former U S men's national team player do. I mean, of those three, um, why is Jill Ellis the best? Well, Jill Ellis is the best because she's the most winningest. That's true. She has won a, she's won a <laughs> out, of, out of yeah. Jason fucking Christ and, and David Wagner has not David Wagner. Yeah, he's not won a ton recently. Uh, he did an amazing job of bringing Huddersfield uh, up to the Premier League, and then they proceeded and, and and managed to keep them up for a year. 
um that was amazing and then they just they just got the shit kicked out of him for a year and then uh he got fired and then yeah he went to uh went to uh Schalke and has not done well since then so and i before fc union made it to the bundesliga Schalke were my my bundesliga team mainly because they had this really hot goalkeeper named manuel neuer on it way back in the day but yeah. uh those days are long gone. Yes, very much the Everton of the Bundesliga. So, Schalke. Um, Wait a right. <laughs> Everton's not being Everton's not close to being relegated this year. That's true. That is true. Yes, yes. Uh, all right, let's do our better know a loon segment. Our once a loon. Uh, we have a couple. Uh, so, I just want to point out if you have not seen, so we have a. Everybody's going to talk a little bit about Stefano Pino. Um, uh, for those of you guys, Pino party. He will be, we'll talk a little bit about him. Um, but if you haven't seen the pictures of Matt Van Oakle from this most recent playoff game uh, where he's got literally a uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, what's the name of the, the the villain in Sonic the Hedgehog? Oh. Uh, it's Dr. Robotnik. Dr. Robotnik. Thank you. Yes. He's got a fucking Dotner, Dr. Robotnik mustache uh, that he plays with for uh, – Birmingham City. Birmingham Legion. Um, yes, we had we had Matt Van Oakle on the podcast earlier this year. It was a fantastic podcast. Go go back and listen to it. And and just and I'll I'll make I'm try to put a, a picture in the in our Twitter. I uh, will be uh, post this podcast of the of the mustache that Matt Van Oakle has. It's fucking um, it's fucking brilliant. So, but MJ, tell us a little bit about Stefano Pino. Well, Stefano Pino made an announcement on Twitter recently. For those who don't remember, he played for the loons just one year 2016 the last nasl year up at the nessie then he went to miami fc2 Miami fc2 just out of the nasl in 2017 had to regroup play a couple years in the npsl and then with being down in florida having scouts look at him playing in the npsl he gets a call up to orlando city gets to play in mls 2018 that was during the chaotic uh jason christ aforementioned fired after 15 games i mean he had been there two years but you know 15 games into the season and then they hired uh jimmy o'connor the following year he played two places in asia he played in thailand in their top league and then played in the china not super league but in the second uh league one they call it it's the second tier it for Tianjin uh, Leopard FC. And now he has signed a pretty good deal at Awasham. And while it doesn't sound that impressive when you play in tier three of Saudi Arabia, I mean, it's called second division. If second division being tier three doesn't make sense, just remind you that League two is tier four in England. So don't <laughs> complain about that. Uh, he's playing in a city called Chakra, population 3,500. For those that want a reference to 3,500 population, it's a little bit smaller than Mankato. And it's about 190 kilometers northwest of Riyadh, the capital. But congrats to Stefano Pino on what I assume after kind of having a journeyman contract throughout Asia is kind of maybe found a home stefano pino is a um an attractive man uh guys by the way if you uh didn't know he's very six very feet big. six feet tall yeah very big um 
and was a was great for Minnesota in 2016. Um, he he actually was it 2015. Did he, he win the the uh, NASL MVP award that year? Or or twenty four? He he had won a bunch of uh, hardware in NASL um, the previous uh, couple of years. Uh, Thorn in the side of Minnesota United before they signed him in 2016. So, um, all right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we will do uh, Minneapolis City Minute. We'll talk about Ford Mass, and then we'll very quickly break down the uh, – theoretically, we have two matches coming up this week. We'll break them down theoretically. So let's uh, take a break, and we'll come right back. You want me to be that type of dude, and I want to be who you like me to, but we – And we're back, and uh, let's talk Minneapolis City. MJ, what do you got? For those that don't know, they've been doing a seven-on-seven intramural league. This past Wednesday was the finals of that league. They had playoffs. They had semifinals, and this past week was the third-place game in the finals. I don't know what happened in the third-place game between the Paisley Park 99ers and the Bob Dillionaires. They had all the team names had Minnesota band references, which I thought was cool. But in the finals, more stand the one timers beat tackled by turtles. And that's impressive because tackled by turtles had number one goalkeeper, Matt elder on their team. So now more stand the one timers had will kid and Jonah Garcia. And yeah, yeah. so some of these Samuel Ruiz Plaza, you know, so they, they had some good, good players, but still, for those that went, I heard it was a fun game. The whole experience playing at the Nessie and playing outside, watching players play was fun. They did it in a very social distancing way, which I appreciate. You could have up to three people in your pod, and then all the pods were, were spaced. Uh, you went once, correct? Yeah, it was it was, it was um, the best, as best you could do with a situation like that. I, I you know, it was really comfortable. Um, they, did a, they did a really good job, so kudos to... Minneapolis City for finding a way to get some live soccer uh, where fans could attend. So good to them. Paul Schmeichel and his wife, whose name I forget, I apologize. They made some trophies for individual performances. And if you don't know anything about Minneapolis City, they love homemade fan-made trophies. So they made a nutmeg trophy, which was most likely to Meg several Duluth players in the same game. That went to Justin Oliver of the Bob Billionaires. They made a technical difficulties plaque that looks like when your TV screen didn't have any programming on it with the multicolored bars. That went to Louis Louis, uh, Magana. And to the rookie that causes so much trouble that, oh, sorry, and the technical difficulties was supposed to go to the rookie that causes so much trouble the opponent makes excuses for not coming. That's a shout out to Twin Stars for those that know that history. And then they, the ultimate trophy was the Golden Crow. Best exemplifies the citizens, loud, weird, and will absolutely shit on your car. And that went to Jonah Garcia of the champion Morse and the one-timers. So congrats to those three players and Morse and the one-timers for winning the league. Right on. Um, well, as we're recording, uh, 
Colorado, the the league announced the Colorado Rapids have had an additional three games postponed due to uh, ongoing uh, COVID-19 outbreaks within the organization. Um, we haven't had any more players test positive, but in order to, uh, with, you know, with Colorado Department of Public Health, basically they, they postponed the October 14th game again at Seattle, the October 18th game uh, home against RSL and the October 21st match home against Sporting Kansas City on top of four post moments that the Rapids already have had, um, two of which have been rescheduled. So there is absolutely no way in hell that MLS is going to start their playoffs after the, uh, I mean, unless they make up games during the international break in November, which would be really shitty for some teams who may have players that may, may lose players to, uh, to international duty. Uh, doesn't seem hundred percent fair. So who the hell knows with uh, MLS and, and finishing the season we're seeing now, uh, MLS, NFL having to postpone and, and move games and all that uh, stuff. So, yeah, maybe playing sports during the middle of a pandemic is not the best idea. Was this not supposed to be the year that MLS was going to agree to abide by the international break calendar? It was, as a matter of theory. Finally, finally, that teams would not be forced to play some midweek, you know, three games in two weeks to try to three games in one week to try to uh, yeah yeah I was gonna say make up. I was got to play a lot of like three game weeks here to uh, to make everything up yes it, yes MJ as a matter of fact you are correct it was they were actually going to mostly abide by the the international international break rules so. I was looking so much forward to that since we have players on our team that get call calls up for their international team yeah uh yeah right uh all right the Ford Madison uh Ford Madtown Brodown Madison had a 0-0 draw with uh Union Omaha over the weekend they are currently sitting in eighth place on 16 points they can achieve a maximum of 28 points um oh Union Omaha is certainly in third uh they can achieve a maximum of 29 points the Richmond Kickers are in second place can achieve a maximum of uh, 29, uh, 20, sorry, 32 points. Greenville Triumph have already clinched uh, one of the playoff spots for USL League One. Uh, again, USL League One only has two playoff spots. Uh, Madison needed to beat Omaha if they really legis- like legitimately had a, a chance. They are they have a bunch of games in hand on most teams in the league. Um, but again, uh, they're very much, uh, they're not officially eliminated, but it's not getting up three points in that game on Sunday more or less eliminated them from a playoff competition in USL League One for this year. So, all right. We have how does USL League One playoffs work? Do you know, do you know offhand how many teams yeah. make it to the playoffs? It's This year it's just two. It's just the top two, and they're playing a one-off game for the championship. So, because of COVID. Normally it's normally it's top four. Okay. This year, this year with COVID, it's just a, a top two playing okay. a one-off game for the championship. So, uh, unfortunately, yeah, Madison is more likely not going to be in the playoffs this year. So, um, all right. So we have a couple games coming up, uh, two home games, as a matter of fact, assuming we are able to practice a little bit and can play some matches, um, which is easier said than done. First up is on Wednesday against the Chicago fire, uh, our good friends, the Chicago fire. Minnesota United um, is favorites uh, favorites to win the game at plus 110. Chicago Fire at plus 215. A draw is plus 250. Uh, spread, uh, it's half a goal. Minis- uh, the negative or the, yeah, Minnesota minus 0. 0.5 uh, is uh, minus 110. Chicago Fire plus 0. 0.5 is 
uh, minus 110. So, um, you know, do with that what you will. Over under is three goals. Uh, three goals is even. Under three goals is minus 120. I expect they're expecting this game to be a low scoring game, and I fully expect this game to be a low scoring game. So, uh, MJ, tell us a little bit about who uh, who you're looking for, looking forward to seeing from Chicago Fire. Well, I have a soft spot in my heart for Bobby Shuttleworth, so I'm obviously looking forward to seeing him. I do hope we score several goals on him, but I do like him maybe more than that other player we traded to Chicago. Who you? Pro- I'll save him for you. You can talk about him. That's, all right. Uh, there, there's a, a DP striker from Slovenia named uh, Robert uh, Berich that we need to watch out for, and a former U.S. Men's National Team left back, uh, Jonathan Bornstein, anchors his corner of the of the back line. He's not Calvo. I'll just put it that way. Huh. That's a that's a nice way of putting it. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you for for setting me up there, uh, Frankie Calvo. Uh, so if you listen to our podcast or you listen to the 55 one podcast, you know, that, um, that Wes and I get a, a very a surreal joy watching <laughs> Chicago fire games, if only to watch Frankie Cabo fuck up and allow teams to score goals. Um, as a matter of fact, often uh, at the black heart, when there are Minnesota United games on, there's also a Chicago fire game on, and we will, instead of putting any other games on, like, even if a four massing game, we'll put on the Chicago fire game in hopes that we get to see France, Francisco Cabo fuck up in real time. Um, you know, Wes and I are both, you know, have kids. And so we don't get a ton of jerk off material and we need to, we need to store that jerk off material uh, in our brains and like, just, just, you know, sear it in there. Uh, and Frankie Cabo fucking up uh, considerably is definitely uh, jerk off material. So um, very excited for Frankie Cobble to come home uh, and uh, and uh, you know get a get a start. Uh, our boy Wyatt Almsberg did start for Cobble on Saturday. Um, I think that was just a rotation, you know, lots of games playing. Uh, but Wyatt Almsberg got the start. He actually got subbed off, um, which is not really great for a defender. Normally, defenders don't get subbed off um, unless they're again they're Joe Gomez and they're fucking up real bad. Um, but he got subbed off. But yeah, he uh, got a start for the Chicago Fire. Uh, the other um, player I will mention is uh, CJ Sapong. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, he was sort of on the cusp of playing for the national team. Um, he scored a goal uh, in their match on Saturday. Uh, one of the two goals that beat DC United. He, you know, he's always an interesting, interesting player. And then um, the guy who actually set up both those goals on Saturday uh, Alvaro Madron, um, who has been hit or miss for Chicago. He's, he, they've definitely been like looking for him to be more of a, he's a midfielder um, uh, from Spain, international. Definitely have been looking for him to be a TAM signing, uh, more of a, of a presence for the midfield uh, in Chicago. Hasn't really sort of played that part quite yet, um, but definitely has the pedigree. He played Champions League. Um, played for Getafe and Valencia and um, Rayo Vallecano as well. So definitely has a, a player profile that, you know, you could expect to see more from him. This is his first year with Chicago Fire. Um, he has 16. He's started all 16 games. Uh, he does have two goals um, and four assists. So, you know, not not doing terribly, terribly poorly for the Chicago Fire. Um, but ho- hoping something, someone that they hope they get more out of. So, uh, all right. So, MJ. How do we play the Chicago Fire? 
as much as I want to say that we attacked it on the right side because Calvo's plays left fullback or left center back, so we should attack down the right the right side and just screw over Calvo. I think we attacked on both sides. I think both side both of their sides, depending on who they put in the midfield and the back line, will have weaknesses. And I think if we have a balanced attack and we play down the right side sometimes and down the left side the other times and keep them kind of guessing. I think we will get good chances in the 18, maybe inside the six. I also think we should start Robin Lude and let Finley come off the bench. I also think we should start Raheem Edwards and let Molino come off the bench, but I don't think Heath is going to do either of those things. Good luck with that. Um, I could easily see Lude getting the start and potentially Finley coming off the bench. Um, I don't think Molino, I think Molino's uh, name is penciled or is etched into that lineup with, uh, with tattoo ink. Yeah. If, he, if he's healthy, assuming he's healthy. So uh, yeah, I, you know, I agree with you. Definitely the times where Chicago is vulnerable is definitely on set pieces. Um, they tend to sort of lose the, uh, lose the pot. Calvo specifically tends to lose his man and, and lose his mark. Um, but also, yeah, they're, the right-hand side with, with Robin Liu, with um, Romain Metnir, when those guys are playing well together has been dynamic. And so really up to see Robin Liu and, and Romain Metnir sort of overload that right-hand side and, and make Calvo have to deal with either of those two guys. Right. Like yeah. that's a, that's, that's a pretty fucking dangerous thing as far as I'm concerned and would be, you know, something that he doesn't necessarily always see in MLS. I would like to see with, Reynoso mm. and Hassani Dotson and either Metnair and and Robin Lude to have a triangle or a rhombus, if you will, attacking and just overload Bornstein and, and, and Calvo on the right-hand side and just have some nice passing for a tiki taka goal. That would yeah. make, my, I mean, make my day. That would that would give me a lot of trick off my career. But. Yeah, Pineda, Pineda and Calvo as center backs are not, I mean, they're uh, at best, maybe top of the bottom third of center backs in MLS. Um, so you can do a lot there and it would be, it'd be really great for Reynoso too. Uh, you know, He's been he's been sniffing at the goal. He's he's had some really great opportunities in the, the last like several several weeks. It would be really great to see him get maybe a, a set piece goal um, or something in with in the run of play. Something where he just you know steps up and fires a shot and and puts it in the back of the pack of the net. So, um, all right. Well, how you, who do you think wins, MJ? I think Minnesota United wins. We're at home. We're against Calvo. Why not Minnesota United? Yeah, you know, I don't think we've ever beaten Calvo um, since he's not been a part of Minnesota United. So uh, I think I think this is a game Minnesota absolutely needs to win, assuming this game even gets played, right? This is the caveat with all this stuff is that this game actually... Like, they, they just they just postponed several Colorado Rapids games. This makes me concerned that why have you not made an announcement either... Why has MLS not announced that the Minnesota United versus Chicago game is on or off. It seems weird. It's true. But to be fair, Colorado has like 15 people in their organization that have COVID right now. And theoretically it's only two people in the Minnesota United organization with COVID. So oh, I guess that. that's a difference. 
Yeah, yeah. But um, but assuming this game gets played, I think this is a game Minnesota desperately needs to win. I think they uh, end up drawing this game two to two. I think we drop points at home against Chicago, which is be really fucking terrible. So, uh, all right. So we have a theoretically, then we have another game uh, at home uh, against Houston Dynamo on Saturday. Um, this will be the first time that Christian Ramirez would get a chance to, or an opportunity to play at Allianz Field. A uh, first time an opportunity to play in Minnesota since he was actually traded uh, away from the team. Um, and the first time ever to play at Allianz. So, so my biggest question to you, MJ, is does Tab Ramos let Ramirez start uh, or play at Allianz? Um, ideally start, but play for sure. Uh, what do you think? As much as Ramirez probably has a chip on his shoulder or at least wants to play well against his old club and wants to play in Minnesota at Allianz Field and play well against his old club. I think if Monotas is healthy, Monotas goes at least 60 minutes. But I think Tab Ramos tips the cap and lets him lets him into the field late in the game. Yeah. he uh, So uh, Ramirez got to start on Saturday – uh, against Inter Miami um, in Miami, uh, him and Darwin Quintero were up top uh, in a uh, 4-4-2 situation with, uh, um, and yeah, Minosis was not in the uh, not in the lineup at all. So, you know, who knows if he's going to be healthy and ready to go uh, a week from you know a couple of days ago. On but, on Wednesday the seventh though, he, he Minotis started and Quintero was playing the ten. Okay. So yeah, so Minotas wasn't even, wasn't in the eighteen on uh, on uh, on the tenth. So theoretically, he was you know resting up, uh, giving giving him a uh, an extra you know an extra day or so to a week to recover or whatever from what have you. So uh, I would love to. I mean, it would be great to see Christian Ramirez get a start at Allianz. Obviously, it's not the same when he's not uh, you know not in the Minnesota lineup. Houston does have a midweek game on Wednesday against Nashville. Um, they're hosting Nashville. So, you know, I would think paying attention to that match and seeing who gets a start there will probably sort of de- determine whether, you know, Chris Ramirez is going to get a start uh, on Saturday against Minnesota United FC. Uh, who else do we need to talk about for Houston? We know we've talked about Houston a bunch of times in this podcast. Is there anybody who stands out Um or you know, showing themselves. Yeah, goalkeeper marriage caused us problems last time. He did, yes. He made some really great saves on on Lude and Molino and several other people that I can't remember. Their left wing uh, Lasseter is is pretty decent. He combines with Quintero really well. Center midfielder uh, Seren is also pretty decent. But that back line. With maybe the exception of 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 Luke of Lukevist, uh, which is not the the fish you get at a Norwegian Lutheran uh, mm-hmm. church dinner, uh, with the exception of Lukevist, uh, I don't know who on the back line is that good. So I say I say attack down the left, um, give. Uh, Garcia and Struna, that left center center midfield and the the left side of the the back line, some 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 problems. 
Yeah. Um, Maynard Figueroa, uh, one of the oldest players in MLS. He's actually older than I am by, I think, like a, like a month or so. Um, he scored against Minnesota United in the last game, in that September game. Uh, if you don't forget, uh, Kevin Molino to- completely lost his mark and he uh, allowed him to score a goal. So, but you're right. We definitely need to pile it on. And we're playing them in Minnesota um, as opposed to in Houston, which we played the last two times we've been playing them in Houston. So, hopefully – um, that, you know, nice, crisp Minnesota weather it's supposed to be in the like, wait, high thirties, uh, over the weekend. So, um, that gives, uh, Minnesota a, a pep in their step. So, all right. How do you think, uh, how do you think the game goes? Does Minnesota win? Uh, do we draw what's up? I'm calling two, two draw two, two draw. All right. I think Minnesota actually wins this game. I think they spoil Christian Ramirez's return. Um, I think it's like three to one, but again, I think I think we take four points this week and I think four points is not acceptable. Um, I think we need six points this week if we want to um, do anything in the playoffs, honestly, but especially after that one point nil nil draw bullshit that we saw. Yeah. So, all right. Um, well, let's wrap up. We got, we got a couple questions. Um, so we got some fucking answers for you. Uh, Eric um, asks, why haven't we been able to capitalize on Kai Kamara's abilities yet? And what needs to change? Uh, formation, style, strategy, personnel to increase his effectiveness. Um, Eric, I will say we have not been able to capitalize on Kai Kamara's abilities because we don't have good service. And here's the thing, and I, I mentioned this early, early on in the podcast, the reason Mason Toy was getting shit on is because Mason Toy didn't have good service. This team, for whatever reason, wants to play through their wings. Um, Robin Lude, Kevin Molino, Ethan Finley, um, those are the guys who are who are creating the chances for this team. Not the this not Kai Kamara, not Mason Toye, not Aaron Schoenfeld. For whatever reason, those are we have those are center forwards who do not they're, they're not able to create their own chances like Christian Ramirez was uh, was able to, um, or like someone like Darwin Quintero can just can dribble his way into space and and create a shot. Kai Kamara, Mason Toye. You know, Aaron Schofield could not do that and do not have the abilities to do that. And so with someone like Kai Kamara, you need great crossing in. And we've shown that Minnesota has some good crossers on their team. We just haven't been able to harness that skill yet. And that is, I mean, part of that's on, is on the strategy of the coach. Part of that is on the, the crossers, the Romain Mettineers, Chase Gasper, who cannot cross for the, for his fucking life. Um, you know, your, your Robin Ludes, Ethan Finley's crossing in uh, from the end line, um, you know, uh, trying to create space there. Um, I don't know that it, we have not had good service for strikers in two and a half years. So you can change this. You can change the striker. It's just, it's, if you don't have the same, if you don't have good service, you're not going to, it's not going to work. MJ. I will say that Reynoso seems like the type of player that if you, play well off the ball, which Amaria d- does really, really well as far as making fake runs or shoulder fakes certain directions and cutting back the other way to get space. It's a shame that we really haven't seen, Re- we haven't seen Reynoso and Amaria occupy the same pitch. Yeah. I don't know if Amaria will get healthy in time for us to see Reynoso and Amaria to, to occupy the same pitch, but that's a shame. Yeah. Mason Toy is not, doesn't have the 
way to get open off the ball that Amaria does, but he is pacey and he does move around a lot. He just, he either moves too constantly where he's not switching up his speeds to kind of lull defenders into sleep, or he's not trying to fake one way, go another. He's being way, way too obvious and direct about his movement. And so it's a lot easier to mark him. I haven't seen enough of Kai Kamara to know what his style is, but it seems like it's going to take a while for Reynoso and Kai Kamara to get on the same page. That's kind of the point too, is that we have, we've not, we don't have a, um, we have a, a style. I think theoretically there's a style that Adrian Heath wants his strikers to play. Um, we do not have the players on the wings to actually do the things that Adrian Heath wants those guys in the wings to do. And we have a striker now who theoretically, and Kai Kamara has done the things I think has done the things that Adrian Heath wants a striker to do. Um, but again, he's not going to go get the ball and create those chances himself. He needs people and players to create those chances and opportunities for him vis-a-vis crosses into the box um, balls pinging back and forth uh, and him pouncing, uh, you know, those poacher goals, things like that. We don't have the players to actually do the things that, you know, he wants that will make the things happen for Kai Kamara. And so, you know, again, we have a, another striker that's a, a different from what Mason Toy was. Mason Toy was not a Kai Kamara, not a, you know, he, Kai Kamara and, and Aaron Schofield are much, are more of the, in this sort of a similar mold, right? They're they're not going to do things with their feet. They're going to go up and get balls, right? Yeah. That's Kai Kamara and Aaron Schofield's plan. Big body, hold up, pass off to somebody else, let them yeah. create a Kamara chance. Can, Kamara can probably do a little bit more with his feet than Aaron Schofield can. Yes. But in Amari is a completely different kind of striker from either of those two guys, right? Amari and Toy are more similar. Uh, Amari is yes. probably faster um, and a little more creative. So it's just we have this we have these just disparate um, ideas for what we want for what we want our strikers to be and and it really depends on who the striker is. Well, that doesn't help when you're trying to put together a system and a plan. Anyways, I mean, if you were to create a, a two dimensional spectrum of strikers, one being on skills with their head versus their feet, and then another on are you very, very mobile or are you very immobile? Like, are you trying to body up and body out, box out people and ho- play hold up? Kai Kamara is obviously way more effective at scoring goals than Angelo Rodriguez, but is in the in the direction, is in the same kind of direction of an Angelo Rodriguez type of striker, mm-hmm. would you say? Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. So I mean, what needs to change in order to increase his effectiveness is, uh, I mean – we need better crosses into the box. Um, we need, you know, more efficient uses of the, of those things. And, you know, what needs to change is we need, we need a coach that actually has a, a that is malleable in terms of what he wants. Right. He's not trying to like put square pegs into round holes. Right. It it's doesn't, doesn't work that way. So. All right. Uh, our friend the Cribs, uh, Andy Schwetz, asked, "Hey Zeller, how did your alcohol this month go? Discover any yummy NA beers?" Um, Andy, as a matter of fact, uh, it went really well. I would highly recommend anybody who is interested in uh, taking a little bit of time off from from drinking 
um, to uh, to do it. It uh, cleans your system out. Um, you wake up uh, a lot more, you know, functional most days. Uh, <laughs> anyways, um, it's just uh, yeah, it was it was a good good opportunity to do and something I would definitely I'll definitely be doing again. Um, try to do. I used to do it uh, on occasion for shorter periods of time. Definitely think like do it a, a longer a longer period of longer stretch makes it uh, makes the um, the benefits much more much more worthwhile. And to that mat to that sort of point of the other yummy NA beers. When I did it like the last time I did it like a long, I think I did like a two month stretch was back in two thousand and nine or 2010. So it's been, an, it's been, it's probably been at least a decade, not, probably not quite, maybe 2011. Anyways, maybe almost a decade. And uh, the beers that I was drinking uh, when I was drinking any beer during my, my, you know, a couple months of, of sobriety were things like Caliber and Odules. And there are way more good NA beers now. So if you are, even if you're considering it, but you still like um, beer and the taste of beer. You get some really good NA beers. Uh, the Athletic is a not, not the um, not the the sports magazine, online magazine, but uh, there's a brewery called the Athletic. Uh, if they want to sponsor us and, and give us beer uh, for the podcast, I would definitely uh, you know be down for that. Anyways, uh, they're based in Connecticut. Uh, they make several really good beers. Um, you can actually order their stuff online. Um, it's you can find it in also liquor stores. Uh, Total Wine is actually the one place so like funny story because i was doing this and there's a couple other guys who were doing it too and you know we're watching a lot of soccer at the black art uh wes um uh had to and bauhaus also makes an na beer uh called uh not nah it's a uh non-alcoholic hellas beer so it's a you know it's good it's a lager just general standard lager stuff it, it's decent tastes like beer um but it's like less than 0.5 percent uh, anyways, he sold out of that and uh, they weren't, he's like, you trying to get an order in. He, they weren't able to get anything in from him for like two, two weeks. So basically um, Wes and I were going to all the total wines around the, the city and uh, buying out all of their NA beer. Um, so we, we tried a few different kinds of beer. So if you have any uh, questions on NA beers, I'm actually, I, I feel like I'm a pretty good connoisseur of NA beer now. Um, and you if you have a- Try the Polliner Thomas Brow. Uh, I've not, I've not, I, I like Polliner, so I've not, I'm not trying that. I didn't see that anywhere. Um, so yes, if you have any questions about any beer, I'm, I'm happy to, happy to be your go-to person for that. So I, I'm not an expert on any beer, but all I know is from talking with you and other Minnesota United fans that have taken this break, we've come a long way from the Miller's Sharps and O'Doul's, you know, O'Doul's is the Anheuser-Busch Budweiser. Yes. Um, yes, we have. We've come a long way from that era of now in alcoholic beer. And one thing I'll say too is, is so as I was doing this, me and Wes were, were talking a little bit more about um, next year for, you know, the Black Card and games. And I think we're, well, I think Wes really tries, wants to cultivate a, a, a decent NA menu at the Black Card going forward. So um, having more than just like Bush light or, you know, sort of the Bush NA beer on, on uh, available um, there's, there's now NA uh, whiskey and NA gin that actually are pretty good. That tastes like whiskey or gin without the, you know, the actual booze behind it. So obviously you're not going to like shoot it. You can't like, you don't want to like do that. any whiskey is like, you know, a, ice, a cube of ice or something and, and, and sip it. But in a drink, in like a whiskey sour, 
uh, or like in a uh, ginger and, and whiskey ginger or something like that. Not terrible. Um, so yeah, so I think, you know, the whole long story short, sort of trying to help cultivate a, an NA menu that number one, there's a lot of people in the uh, LGBTQ plus community who are recovering alcoholics, right, or recovering. And so definitely, you know, want to make sure that they're welcome at places like this. Um, there's also a lot of people in the soccer community who are, um, you know, for one reason or another, either they're recovering alcoholics or they just don't want to drink or you don't want to drink as much, right? So you want to maybe have a early before you go to the Minnesota United game, but you don't want to like drink four early. So if you have us early, but then you actually have some decent NA options, um, you, know, you know, you can still hang out and have a good time and don't feel obligated to, you know, drink and get, you know, get drunk or whatever. So there's lots of reasons why to do it. Um, it was very, it was eye-opening, uh, something I definitely would encourage everybody to do um, in some shape or form, you know, over the course of whatever. And, you know, for some people, like, it will extend longer. For some people, it's like, oh, yeah, I just needed a, a month off. Anyways, it was it was good. So thank you, Andy, for asking that question. So shout out to Wes of Blackheart for being supportive. <laughs> yes, being very accommodating. Yes, I, I spend a lot of time at his bar watching soccer. And he's definitely going out of his way to find an A beer for me. He could have just been like, you know what, whatever. You can drink soda water. It's totally fine. But he was actually, yeah, it's going out of his way to, to make it a, a thing that was very, very comfortable for me and uh, for people that were around. So, uh, all right. That brings us to the end of the podcast. Uh, always please rate review our podcast wherever you listen to the Dave's I Know, uh, whether that's on Spotify or on Apple, uh, iTunes, uh, Player FM. That's a, that's a thing now. Uh, Minnesota podcast app, which is a thing. So yeah, please bring review our podcast. Uh, Patreon.com slash the Dave's I Know. If you want to get in on that Dave's I Know beer, the Heath Out Stout, now is the time to sign up for the podcast. If you're interested in being a part of the brewing of that beer, let me know. We uh, we have a very limited number of spots we can bring people in. We're going to be brewing it on the 25th of uh, October. So in less than two weeks. Uh, at uh, the Hot Clouds uh, Brewing Location, Christian's, I think it's Christian's Garage. So if you're interested in participating and you are a Patreon member, let me know. Uh, you can reach me. You know how to reach me um, at Texas L on Twitter or at the TDIKMN feed, and we can hook you up and we can come and, and get some pictures and stuff. Um, again, at TDIKMN on Twitter. Uh, Dan is at D Wade. MJ at MJ Matsui. Bill uh, at Bill underscore McGuire. Bill will be back very soon. I promise. He's not gone forever. He is back. He's in the woods right now, but he will be back very, very soon. So, uh, MJ, um, man, it was uh, good chatting with you. Always, man. Hopefully, hopefully, see you maybe on Wednesday. Yes, I am a maybe. On, I'm a maybe on Wednesday, and then um, you won't see me on Saturday, sadly. But right. I'm sure we'll talk about it in some way, shape, or form about the Merseyside Derby. <laughs> Oh, that's right. We didn't even talk about that. Let's not, let's not talk about that right now. Um, sorry, assuming we have a game, maybe I'll talk to you on Wednesday. Otherwise, uh, we'll definitely talk to you guys next week. So thanks for thanks for listening. Um, thanks for uh, downloading the Dave's I Know podcast. So we have been the Dave's I Know. This is Dave's I try and work it out because we both know we can't do nothing at all. Long as you do yours, land here become fecund. Yeah, uh, we, we do yeah. our thing, son. Through the act, we attract two, hope to reach one. Uh, we, yeah. we, we, we do our thing. Do it. We, 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 we do 
do it. We do our thing, son. Some will paint a piece, some will spray with a machine gun. It's mad work to be done. Uh, we, we do our thing, son. Son, 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 son.